I'm Harry Nichols. This is Kid Stuff. Back in October, I put out a brand new EP all about my work dealing with and empathizing with middle school kids. To go a little deeper on the subject, I'm sitting down with creative people from all walks in my life to talk about their own adolescence and how they came to be who they are today. This time around, I got a chance to sit down with Ariel Arbiser, who I know from many different musical projects. We've co-written songs together. I played guitar in her band for a brief stint back there. We uh, did acapella music together, you name it. Ariel just put out a brand new album of her own called Risk of Love, which you should absolutely check out. It's streaming anywhere that you can get the streamed music. My own EP is streaming everywhere as well. It's called Kid Stuff. You can find it by searching Harry Nichols Kid Stuff. All right, that's enough out of me. Let's talk to Ariel. Ariel Arbiser, how are you? Harry Nichols, I'm doing really well. Yeah, Thanks. this is, it's funny. So we've done a lot of work together. Yeah. I don't know that we've ever covered I don't know if we've ever, like, talked about puberty, though, <laughs> together, you know? You know, of all the people I've talked about puberty with, I don't know if I've talked to you about it. Yeah. Yet. Have yeah. you have you talked to a lot of people about puberty? No. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. I was like, I was like, oh, man. That she like, No, but she... let's go in. So I'm saving it all for this. We're saving. Yeah. yeah. We're saving our puberty talk for, for this discussion, <laughs> um, as it should be, I think. Um, so you just, you released your album this year. I it's, did. It's yes. a big thing. A huge thing. Yeah. yeah. It's been in the works for the majority of my adulthood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you have been a part of it since before the album was even. I know. Thought. Yeah. I remember we, we worked on some of those tracks in the funks. I mean. Yeah. Well, and Risk, Frisky Business, right, you too. helped me co-write Risk of Love for the Frisky Business album. That right. Also didn't come out. Uh, <laughs> although that track did come out um, before I was even planning to do an album and stuff. So yeah. it's really been a step-by-step kind of uh, organic creation, it yeah. feels like. Yeah. Do you feel like there are like elements of yourself in your in your new recording that maybe have some kind of origin in like in your childhood, in your tween years and anything like that? For sure, yeah. I mean, both literally and figuratively. I think that, uh, you know, I some of the relationships that are written about in the album, uh, one of those began, I mean, at birth with like a family member is, is written about. Um, a high school love is written about who became a post-collegiate love. Again, you know, we had a redux. Um and uh, so those are sort of literally a part of my whole existence. Um, and I talk a lot about mental health and my struggles that I've had with that. And specifically, there's a song all about um, how I have related to people through depression in a way that I don't think I had ever really expressed mm. in my entire life, even yeah. though I felt that way in my whole life. So it's yeah. been a pretty cool experience to like let people into that. I mean, it feels like people just suddenly know like so much about my experiences that uh, I just, I, I, I think of myself as an open book in general and Mm -hmm. that I don't hide things really, but I also don't always offer them up to people unless they ask. And almost everything that's featured on this album are, are things that I would never just volunteer to people, whether they're friends or loved ones, Mm. um, unless it comes up 
naturally or they ask me about it and that is not often going to happen because it's deep dark stuff that they wouldn't know about right about right Uh, so it's it's a relief really that people sort of see me as a fuller more complete person sure i think now (laughs) has creativity always been like has it always served that purpose for you like thinking back to like like the the like middle school ages yeah in a way i mean i definitely was always expressing myself through music um i don't know that i ever let people in to that extent you know i think that it was um something that i learned in and after college was the idea of like really being vulnerable with my singing and uh being honest with my singing versus just trying to be perfect and uh and like beautiful while i'm singing uh and so i feel like you know while i was i knew that i was trying to access something vulnerable back then i wasn't able to do that yet and uh and I think this album is kind of the process of me getting there. We got very, very personal very, very quickly. I'm, and and yeah. like, if you're good, I'm good. I'm but okay. like, let me yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going to send, you, send yeah. you the edit uh, before we release anything. Yeah. And so if you, you don't can... feel comfortable having that in there, I won't be offended. It's up to you. Oh, no. I, I'm, okay. I'm down I'm to keep yeah. most everything. Yeah. It's usually other people telling me not to include things. Like I said, I'm an open book. Yeah. These uh, listed... Um, spat off a list of drugs that were acceptable to do and drugs that were not acceptable to do in his session. And nice. I was like, can I please keep this in here? And he was like, no. Oh, that's lame. Cause I he's know. not even saying I did these drugs. Exactly. He's just like, here, here are the drugs you can do. Cocaine. I, I'll tell you if you want. Go ahead. Yes. I want to know. <laughs> okay. The drugs. Okay. I haven't done this research since college, so it could be outdated. Yeah. Go ahead. But the research that I decided on in college was that the safe quote unquote drugs that you can do safely. Right. Mm were marijuana obviously <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> wink wink no i i'm i'm not being quite marijuana <laughs> um i uh, i would say it's fairly reasonable to think that people could do ecstasy acid and cocaine pretty uh safely for mm-hmm. the most part um and things that are like in that realm like shrooms and stuff like that um not to say that you can't do them dangerously. Of course. Yeah. But those are the ones that I think can You can be... drink alcohol dangerously. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think those are the ones that like can be done responsibly. And that's not to say that I think they're all great for me because mm-hmm. of my mental health stuff. I, I've avoided some things that I think might throw me off my access yeah, axis. Sure. But I I've done the research. So what's in the no go range? I mean what Oh, I mean like heroin, meth. Sure. You know, the obvious ones. Bath salts. Bath yeah. salts. Tide pods. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going with bath salts, I feel like Tide sure. pods should be mentioned. Just products. Well. Archie, what the fuck? But where do you stand on butt chugging? I have not done the research on butt chugging. <laughs> I feel like. Well, you know what butt chugging is. Getting drunk through your butt. Through hole. your anus, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I only know about that because of, I feel like in middle school or high school, I heard people talking about that. And I vaguely remember them saying it could be really dangerous because you can't titrate how much. You don't, like, know how drunk you're getting. Right. And it's also, like, because it's, like, going directly to your intestines, it's, like, much more, like, direct. This is what I seem to vaguely recall of, like... Right. Well, it makes sense because it's getting immediately absorbed, right? So, like, I don't know if intestines are part of it, but certainly something about how quickly it's getting absorbed. Yeah. And you definitely can't control how much you're taking in. I I would imagine. (laughs) I don't know. Well, butt chugging is a multi-person endeavor. Like it's. But yeah. wouldn't you think that, like, if you just put like a bottle of beer, then you're like one bottle. I've had one bottle. 
But I think I think it's different though because like because you get drunker off one bottle. Well, yeah, and a lot of alcohol is absorbed by the stuff that's already in your stomach, you know, and like. So don't butt chug. So no butt chug. Alcohol is okay, but don't butt chug. Yeah. So did you did you uh, did you get fucked up as as a middle school kid? Like, did you? No. No, really. No, I was such a goody two shoes, Harry. I went to like a couple parties. I tried marijuana once or twice in high school. The worst thing I did was make out with people a lot mm-hmm. and then threaten their lives if they told anyone about it. <laughs> I was very worried about people finding out. Your reputation. I mean. Just like in my family. I didn't want my right. family to know I was making out with people. Right. You know? Um, yeah, that was fun though. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I was a make out slut. It was great. That sounds, yeah. No, that sounds fun. Bit. I also was very, I was very well behaved. I was very oh, well behaved. I thought be- you were going to be like, I also was a make out slut. I- <laughs> <laughs> I wish that that was what I had said. That would have been better. My, I feel like my whole childhood was geared towards getting into Princeton, mm. which I did not do. And then you Spoiler went to Cornell, alert. yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just didn't have a lot of like fun times, I feel like. Really? Yeah, not like p- friend party times. We like, yeah. you know, I had a core group of high school friends and we... Yeah, we have like makeup parties. That was like the wildest we got. We were never really drinkers or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? What's a what's a makeout party? Is well, that, in Iowa, is there a specific procedure? Oh, we're getting into Iowa here, games. so yeah. In Iowa, at least my experience in Iowa, I'm sure this is not a universal experience because mm-hmm. probably most people were just partying. <laughs> I imagine there's, you know, Iowa seems like a dead enough place. That exactly. Shit gets weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's nothing <laughs> happening, and since my friends and I weren't into partying, we would play like random makeup games so we the one that i always think of most fondly is that you know we were in high school when like flavored chapsticks were really major Do you oh, remember those okay. like yeah like sure s'mores yeah, or like yeah. reese's or whatever you know oh wow i remembered like cherry they had like those more intense yeah but like there was a there was like a couple years where like you could get like 50 different flavors of chapstick maybe that's an exaggeration but like 20 different flavors of chapstick <laughs> and so we would all bring different flavors of chapstick and like put them in a hat or something and then you would have to pick one and put it on and make out with someone until that person could guess accurately which what flavor, flavor you were wearing wow it was really fun did you so in your experience, did people guess relatively quickly or was it like... In my experience, people were very strategic about who they played with. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll say. I, at least I felt like I was being very strategic about who I played with. Got you. I don't remember how I manipulated that, right. but I remember being like, I'm going to sit here. <laughs> and well, and this is how you can tell that I, I really am like a, a, a good boy at heart because Aww. like where I went with that was like... Obviously, the point of that game is not to actually conclude the game and figure it out. Right. 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 <laughs> That's not, you're yeah. not trying to win the game. This yeah. is not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were like the after parties for the makeup party. You know, it was just like where just like the people who really wanted to make out with each other stayed mm-hmm. and everybody else went home and was like, Got oh, it. the game's over. Bye. And everybody else was like, yeah, bye. Okay. Come here. Right. Yeah. And so was the after party the people who continued to make out or was yeah. the after party had by people who went home or like went Oh, out, no, it was the people who that. wanted to keep making Got out. Got you. Okay. Who like, who like let everybody else leave and we were like, we're going to leave in a second. And then we would just go lay on the bed and all make out with each other. Got you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's very different than my experience. <laughs> I, I do think it was a fairly unique experience. Yeah. Now, no, it's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. I learned how to kiss very well. I that's like. great. Yeah. That's yeah, great. How do you, I mean... 
Man. So like how how old were you when you when you did your first one of those, do you think? Not that young. I mean, I think my first makeout <laughs> Should I tell you about my first makeout? Well, yes. My let's first go. makeout was with four other people in the same bed. We wow. were all making out with each other. I was a sophomore in high school. It was great. <laughs> 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 it's wonderful uh and wild you know yeah, i was like crazy, am i kissing man. right and they were like don't worry about it we're all right. just making out i was like okay <laughs> it's kind of cool. the same rules as like going to a club and like being in the middle of like a dance floor right like yeah the rules you're not it's not really about doing it right or wrong right it's, that's very true yeah. yeah you're just a part of it it's about yeah being being you yeah. and uh but one of the people in that makeout was written about on my album <gasps> and you met them what song is it there's a couple songs <gasps> there's like two romantic interests written about on my album got it that lasted many years of uh, like good times bad times good i've times, bad i've times. met a makeout buddy of yours from iowa mm-hmm. they live mm-hmm. here nope. <laughs> okay Um, you teach as well, right? I you... do. I teach voice and acting. Yeah. 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 How How old are you? Are your students? COVID pushed them much younger. Yeah. <laughs> because all the parents were like, "Ah, oh, take my students, what do my I kids do? for like an hour." Yeah. Um, but typically, I've worked with like college and older. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have two students, I guess, who are like in middle school or elementary school. What was your experience teaching them? It's been interesting. It's been a challenge. Yeah. I don't feel like I naturally uh, communicate well with children. I think mm. that there's a reason that I teach college and up regularly mm. because I just can say anything and not like be in my head about it or like be censoring myself at all. Yeah. So it's a challenge for me to like f- keep them entertained or like figure out how to be cool or whatever. Right. <laughs> not cool. Uh, but. <laughs> It's also been really interesting and specifically like the one younger kid who has been working with me during COVID, his parents, I went to high school with his parents, oh, so wow. they're still back at home and um, it's been kind of cool. Uh, and they originally hired me because they told me at the very beginning of COVID, I guess he was cast, there's like a junior theater program at home mm. that a bunch of my friends were in that I wasn't when we were growing up and he was in he was cast as Simba in The Lion King. Oh, wow. But he gave it to his friend. He gave the part to his friend because he was too, like, embarrassed or, like, didn't feel good enough or whatever. So, like, the goal was confidence, you know, to yeah. work with him on confidence. And originally they wanted me to do singing, and he just wasn't that into it. So it's been cool. We're kind of, like, I've just followed his lead, really. And we're, we just finished our first play written by him. What? And we're now pitching it to junior theater. Yeah, for them to do it in the spring. Um, so that's cool. And we're starting our second play. That's and, like, amazing. I've never written a play. So like we're learning together. And, what is the play about? Uh, it's called A Dragon Quest. Damn. And it is about a um, brave dragon who was walking alone trying to get back to his home 
kingdom. Okay. Uh, his his parent, we've left it open gender wise. Pa- his parent is yeah. in charge of the kingdom. Sure. And uh, and along the way, you know, there's trials and tribulations, and he makes three friends, and all together they save the kingdom from his like evil parent with the townspeople's support. Everybody votes. Oh wow! <laughs> and agrees. Uh, it's great, and it's like a twelve-minute play. It's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. that's incredible. How did how did the project of writing a play like come up come about for this student? Like, uh, you know, the first couple times we met, I was working on singing because that's what I was told to work on with him. Right, and he was just like really shut down. He just was not interested in being a part of it. You know, he was so shy, and so I started to like throw out some acting exercises to just like get him warmed up at the beginning of lessons. Mm -hmm. And then after we did that for a while, I was like, so which ones are you having more fun doing the singing stuff for the acting stuff? And he chose acting. So then his parents agreed that I could focus on acting for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I don't exactly remember how we like thought of the idea of writing a play, but eventually, Oh, because he started coming up with all these characters that he was like developing on his own. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, where does this character like live? Like, what's their story, you know? Mm. And we just sort of naturally ended up writing something. And after the first couple of weeks of like very amorphously writing something, I was like, great, let's get something on paper. And yeah. It would be the same story every time. Did <laughs> so- you like, so did you tell his parents that you're not doing singing anymore? You're oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I've updated them along the way. Script writing and. Yeah. And they are so far have indicated that his confidence is just like shooting up. Well, they're probably and like that, blown away yeah. that like. Yeah. It's been really cool. That's amazing. That's like an yeah. amazing experience. Yeah, like, it's uh, been really nice. I am jealous. And like props to them for just giving their kid this opportunity to like explore his creativity and yeah. make the time what he wants it to be. And sure. it's really been beautiful to watch how they like Well not, I think I think that they're they should be credited too, just for like recognizing that like this kid has like found a thing. They're not imposing what they wanted these lessons to be totally. on on this kid, yeah. you know? I feel like it takes a very open-minded parent to, like, it's, do that. It's such know? a hard balance, I would imagine. Obviously, I'm not a parent. Right. Between giving your kid opportunities to, like, try all these things and, like, get really good at something and wanting to, like, push them to stay in something that they're really not happy in. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that must be a really difficult balancing act, like, forever. Yeah. Your whole freaking life. Yeah. I mean, I certainly struggled with that with my parents and have no doubt that they, every step of the way, made the best choices they could, you know. Right, of course, us. yeah. And, uh, and it's just been really cool to watch these two kids who I went to high school with who, like, they weren't dating in high school and now they're, like, in love and have three kids and, you know, and they're just... Such great parents. It's yeah, that's really amazing. Cool. Oh, that's so great. So putting yourself back as, a, you know, a, an adolescent, like what kinds of art were you consuming lots of? Oh. That could be music. It could be film. It could be visual art. Your parents are very... Um, yeah. Are yeah. arts inclined, so like yes. you probably were exposed to a lot of stuff that. Yeah, I think compared to probably most of the kids I grew up with, I think my parents went out of their way to, um, and had the means to like get us to places to see theater and art and like all these things that like weren't necessarily in my hometown where we grew up. Mm. Um, at least not super accessible in my hometown. And so like, that's really cool. We were seeing musicals and I mean, I saw like 
um, Zat Mama when I was eight was like one of my first concerts. Yeah. Are you familiar? I don't even know what that is. She's, um, I think, Belgian and uh, amazing. It's like the first acapella I ever heard. Oh, wow. It's, okay. You would love it, I'm sure. That's just something that like most people in Iowa probably didn't have the opportunity to sure, see or like yeah. wouldn't have known to try to see or whatever. And uh, they just happened to be connected with the university. And so it was lucky that we got to do that. I would say on my own, I was not encouraged to watch TV. Hmm. However, but you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched any TV I could get my little eyes on. So um, my next door neighbor, sorry, quick yeah, sidebar. Please. I want you to continue. My next door neighbor also had extremely restricted TV yeah. time. He would come over to my house yeah. and and just stare at our TV. Yeah. Like we would like invite him over and he just wouldn't interact with <laughs> us. He would just Okay, like, I wasn't quite that extreme, but I yeah. that's sad. I, I <laughs> <laughs> He's he's grown up to be a a, a very like, functioning healthy yeah. normal person. Like it just yeah. I still feel like I have a weird thing with TV where like it's like I get so excited when I can just like turn everything off and just watch TV for a long time. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure that's from childhood. Right. <laughs> I'm positive that that's from childhood. But I definitely used to like, if nobody else was in the house, I would like sit as close to the garage door as possible with the TV on quietly so that I could hear if the garage door opened and then turn it off and act like I wasn't watching TV. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, so what were the best forbidden fruits on TV? Then? Yeah. I mean, what? I think... I certainly watched a lot of like Law and Order type stuff. Oh, okay. Definitely like too old kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like pleasurable stuff that I would watch with my best friend and I were super duper way into Buffy. And the Buffy soundtrack was amazing. I mean, like the. Buffy was one of the first shows that did that thing that, like, the OC did, and I guess 90210 probably did it before Buffy, but um, where they had, like, live music in almost every episode, mm. or they had, like, a, a bar that they would hang out at, or, like, right. a club, and so there was always, like, a major band playing or whatever, mm-hmm. and my friend and I, you know, this was early, like, Napster days, so we would, like, Ooh. find all of the songs, and nice. uh, that was the music I listened to, that was the TV I watched, that was my life Buffy the Vampire Slayer yes. wow yeah. cool you should I mean you should obviously write a concept album about Buffy the Vampire oh my god like, whoa yeah. well you know there's this amazing podcast buffering the Vampire Slayer no that's run by uh two delightful lesbian women one of them is like a hit songwriter she uh in every episode she writes a song an original song for the episode they're talking about it's oh amazing. my god be super into I it. need to yeah. wait I'm gonna I'm buffering the Vampire Slayer Harry busts out his phone. <laughs> Just a funny story about the musical episode. Yeah. Sixth season of Buffy. This is really getting in the Let's weeds. Let's go. <laughs> is when Buffy switched to Six UPN. Six season of yeah. Buffy. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl's here. Six season of Buffy is when Buffy switched to UPN. And we did not, I didn't know anyone with UPN except for my grandmother, Joyce, in New Jersey. So she filmed the musical episode and overnighted it, what? <laughs> overnighted it to us. Uh, uh, and it was like the best experience ever. That's amazing. And we could sing along because we already memorized it. It was awesome. Um, you got a bootlegged oh, yeah. episode yeah. of VHS. Buffy from Dr. Joyce <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> she was like, uh, secretaries, I need you to stop recording whatever you're recording. Yeah, just like. Record <laughs> Buffy the Vampire. Everyone stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
You mentioned dealing with like like mental health stuff, mm-hmm. even like as a young kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, what were some of the things that made you feel like that? I mean, what is it hard to say? Is it no. easy to say? Uh, Do you want to say? I'll say. <laughs> I mean, I think the first time I was aware that I was thinking differently than other people, especially my age, was in fourth grade. I was in like the talented and gifted program or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and had fallen behind. Like, it's not that I couldn't do it. I just was not on top of my work, Mm. you know? And I remember my grandparents were visiting and I had a huge breakdown at like eight years old um, where I just said like, I can't go on. Like, what's the point? There's no point in me like doing any of this stuff or trying because tomorrow is going to be harder. There's just going to be more stuff to do. Like it just, I was already in like existential crisis mode of like the world just gets harder every day. Right. Everything is terrible. What's the point of like us doing this? Right. (laughs) Um, And I don't think a lot of eight year olds think like that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was a clue. I think my recollection of my like early childhood, my, my parents were, very successful in their careers by the time that I was growing up. My older, I'm the youngest of four. So when I was young, they were traveling, I think, all the time. Mm -hmm. They would disagree. Uh, And it was very traumatic for me. I just, I believed, as long as I can remember, I believed that, like, they would never come back every time they left. And that was a pretty regular distressing thing, you know, like, uh, I had to talk to them every day, no matter where they were in the world. And every day was a disaster of like tears and screams and, you know, leading up to trips was terrible and everything. So I just think like a lot of, there was obviously a lot of joy and love and, um, opportunities and safety and all the important things were there, but my, my brain was not totally clear. It's hard. I mean, yeah, that's hard. That's hard as a parent to hear. Like it's because to a certain extent, this is also coming off of a. <laughs> do you mind? We're getting like, emotional. I am not here. a parent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is coming off of a week where, like, I. <laughs> this is coming. Hey, Archie, <laughs> come here. No, this is coming off of a week where, like, I feel I have felt like re- very unavailable mm. for my kids. Um, last week was just like really. Uh, like he- just hellish at work and like kids just like took every ounce of like patience that I had, yeah. you know? And so then when I came home, I just had like nothing for just any of the people that I love, you know? Yeah. Um, it dogs, it, it bothers me, you know, like cause I can see myself being impatient. Yeah. I can like see it all happening, but I, I'm like powerless to stop it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm sure those conversations had to be hard, you know, on, on both ends, you know? Yeah. It's, it's definitely been hard. First of all, I just want to say that, my perception from the outside <laughs> is that you are an incredible parent. You and Kat are both incredible thank parents. You. Well, thank and, you. And like, I mean, you spend so much time with your children and like give them you. everything. So like from over here, having a bad week, you're I appreciate have bad that. Weeks, I appreciate you know? that. Like a part and parcel of parenthood is just like constantly like beating yourself up, feeling like yeah. you're not good enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll remind you that you're great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was definitely difficult conversations in adulthood. I think it's still difficult whenever that comes up because it's something that my parents can't rectify at this point. Sure. You know? Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do they 
kind of agree or is it like no. a point of contention? Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely not. I mean, I think that like they know they were traveling a lot. You know, I think that they feel like I exaggerate how often they were gone. But like mm-hmm. I was a child and I just remember saying goodbye to them all the time. You know, yeah. so like that's all that I can say is that I'm sure they're right. They weren't gone all the time, but like sure. it felt like they were gone all the time. Sure. And, you know, parents... They try their damnedest, you know, but like yeah. you're always going to leave your kids with something to work through That's in so therapy, true. adulthood. And like, shit, yeah. you know, no matter what you do. And existence is just. Yeah. Way, yeah. And I think that, you know, my parents obviously worked so hard for their careers and were finally able to like take advantage of some of the things that they'd worked for. And I don't blame them for that. You know, like, um, should I have maybe been put in therapy? <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. Yes, definitely. But you know, they did what they could and, and they, sh- they supported me as much as they could. And, yeah. and in adulthood, it's still a very touchy subject whenever it comes up because, you know, I feel like I've done so much work to like heal that stuff yeah. and be able to forgive them for that. And like, understand that, of course that they made all the decisions they thought were right. And that's all that matters. And, um, but I think that for them, they feel like there's this thing that they hear about every once in a while that like, they can't, they can't, they can't do anything about And, and I'm sure that that's hard for them. And I, I have empathy for that. And you know, yeah, that's how it goes. It's so hard. Uh, God. Yeah. Cause you're always, you're right. Uh, that like, you know, everybody is left with something to kind of like work through. For sure. And, is and there any with. perfectly no, like, of course developed <laughs> mentally? Of course person? not. Cause yeah. the world is shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't fuck them up, somebody else will fuck somebody them up. Somebody else will. It doesn't will. matter. <laughs> like eventually we all need to like work through some stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Wild. Um, I don't know, man. I think, uh, should I be asking you any questions? You don't have to. I mean, if you have questions, I come up. Well, I want to know what your first kiss was since I told you my first makeup. Oh, God. Yep. So my first kiss. <laughs> you sound so excited. There we go. Uh, <laughs> no, my first kiss was uh, uh, a, a, a girl named Peggy when I was in uh, maybe – ninth or tenth grade mm-hmm. yeah my my kisses have always always been completely monogamous and uh <laughs> never never <laughs> that's fair no, never nice. polyamorous but uh yeah no we were uh they would it was uh it was it was a very um now that i think about it the scene was very like teenage movie like we were at a dance Aww. and yeah and uh you guys went to the dance together Yep, we were dating. No, we weren't dating yet, but it was You're like, like gonna it, was gonna, it was yeah. gonna happen. And, um, and I, man, I, I actually kind of can't remember how exactly how the conversation unfolded, but we were dancing to uh, Aerosmith. Ooh! I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, uh, I feel like somehow the prospect of kissing came up and I feel like I said, I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. And she said, do you want to kiss me? And I said, sure. (laughs) Something really, something really nonchalant and dickish in in retrospect. Um, and and so much of this whole project has been looking back at myself (laughs) and being like, I was such a, but um, 
but yeah, yeah, and that was that was my first kiss. And uh, tongue? Uh, no, mm-hmm. no, no tongue. A uh, lot of sweat though. <laughs> <laughs> was it good? Did you like leave being like, yeah, that was my first kiss. Nailed it. Uh, I left being like, I I think, I think that's what is supposed to happen. <laughs> like, I, I was very. I'm always. I've always been like a constant like self guesser. Yeah. You know what analyzer. I mean? Analyzer. Yeah. Over analyzer and uh, n- noticing the like nuances of things and overthinking them and thinking and worrying that they weren't right and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so like that. Those were the emotions and thoughts that were overwhelming all those yeah. and all those moments that I had all those firsts. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I remember having a conversation in seventh grade. I think my first kiss was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and before that. I remember having a conversation with my best friend, Cassidy, about how neither of us had made out yet. And we were both like trying to figure out how tongues fit in a mouth at the same time. Mm. We were like, wait, it can't work. It's like impossible. Right. <laughs> and we just like were baffled. Right. Uh, well, to be honest with you, like to, to this day, you know, I, I, I have obviously uh, enjoyed my fair share of French kisses and continue to to this day. But like I still like... Every now and then I just have this weird moment of abstraction where I'm like, that is a weird thing people do. It's you know weird. what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's also weird when you meet somebody who does it so, well, I guess you're not meeting people who kiss differently than you these days, but right. like, it is pretty weird when you meet somebody who kisses like so differently and you're just yeah. like, who taught you that? <laughs> like, <laughs> why did I learn so differently? <laughs> and will we ever be able to come together on this? Probably not. Um. Okay, I have one more question for you. Yeah. My last question, I end it with everybody, okay. which is um, if you had advice to, if you had one piece of advice that you would give to yourself as a, as a young tween, what, what do you think it would be for you? To include happiness as a factor when making decisions. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was something I realized in college that I had never done. You just always considered other people's thoughts and... Yeah, I mean, I struggled all through Cornell and took time off again and again because I was so extremely, I was like dangerously depressed in mm. college. And um, and in one of those moments, it occurred to me, like, I guess I got here because I just like have never once considered what what would I like right. in any decision. And yeah, it was always just like what sounds coolest or what will like look best on a resume or whatever. Right. That stuff is important, but it's not the most important thing because if you're not enjoying living, mm-hmm. then like you're not going to succeed. That's the thing that I'm super working on too, actually, yeah. is like doing things that I like actually want to do. Yeah. You know, like there's always like whenever I have like options to, to choose from, there's always like a deep down thing I want to do. But mm-hmm. like I always I usually let other things get in the way of that. Good advice. Good Thanks. advice. Ariel, I, this has been so lovely. It was delightful. Thank you for Thanks. yeah doing this with me. Yeah. I'm I'm so ex I'm so excited that you are making music and, and that you are going to make more music and that we're going to make music. We're going to be music. Great. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks awesome. again. Thank you.
I know. 